Hi, and welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 85. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having a fantastic week. So we have got another fantastic guest for you this week, Cindy Nicholson, and no, no relation at all. But Cindy wants to help you take your online course to the next level. As a former high school teacher and corporate trainer, Cindy has spent thousands of hours designing training material. Too often, entrepreneurs get stuck between the inspiring thought leader in their world and translating that vast expertise into a profitable online course. Reaching a broader audience and earning passive income eludes them. That's become Cindy Nicholson, aka The Course Whisperer's Calling. And Cindy, it's great to have you on the show. Welcome. Hello, Jeff. It's uh, good to talk to you. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And before we really get into the nitty gritty, so to speak, can you give us a bit of a backstory about what's brought you to this journey and brought you to this place of today? Well, it's interesting. I, I almost happened upon this path by accident. I initially started out my career way back when as a teacher, and then I moved into corporate training. So I've been in education for most of my career. And uh, I actually left uh, that business to stay home with my kids for a while and, you know, then got interested in nutrition and went back to school to study nutrition. And I thought I was going to build a business in nutrition online. And as I was building the business, I was taking some online courses. And as I was taking these courses, you know, the, the teacher in me kept critiquing and analyzing these courses that I was taking and kind of getting frustrated with some of how the courses were laid out and such. And so as I was taking these courses, I was working with other people in mastermind groups that were created as part of these courses. And I found I was spending more time with the people that in my mastermind, helping them organize their content and help them structure the work that they were doing rather than working on my own health business itself. And I remember, I remember the light bulb moment for me. I had been on a call with one of my colleagues that was in the mastermind and I was helping her put together her uh, course, uh, an accounting course. And after the call, it was about an hour long, I got off the call and I'm like, wow, that was fun. And then the second thing was, wow, I have a skill set here that I kind of assumed everybody had. And so that was interesting for me that I love doing and I actually had this skill set. So I started then investigating, you know, do people need services like mine in terms of how to help, you know, put online courses together, how to put training together that makes sense for their learners. And, and I found, you know, based on my own experience from taking online courses and seeing the gaps in those online courses, and then talking with other entrepreneurs who just really wanted to have somebody help them with their online course content, I thought that that would be, was a perfect venue for me to help fill that gap. So it, it wasn't intentional, but I've ended up on the right path after all. No, that's cool. That's cool. I mean, we were talking a little bit before we sort of start hit the record button, so to speak. And, um, you know, we talked about some of the challenges that I get in, I sort of get conversation, I have conversations with, with people who I'm working with. 
and it's the sort of the two camps of either entrepreneurs that are would love to create one and are really stuck and have either the fear is stopping them because they don't think they're capable of doing it or then there's another camp that actually have the know-how but actually either fear is stopping them from fear is stopping them or something is stopping them from having the belief that it's capable to create an income from that um from their knowledge if you want um maybe because they don't believe that their knowledge is as valuable as selling a widget or something like that um mm-hmm. what sort is your what sort of things has your experience been with that sort of thing yeah it's the same i mean the idea of creating an online course it, it can be overwhelming I, I kind of almost liken it to you know starting your own business because all of the elements that you would put into starting a business, you kind of put into creating a course in terms of, you know, validating the course and, you know, creating the materials and then marketing, all of those elements are there. So it can be overwhelming, especially if you're not familiar with where to start. So I definitely have people that are in that camp. And then there also, as you say, the fear of people not being, not knowing if, you know, the idea, a, their idea will sell and B, if they, because if you put all of this work into it, you want to get your ROI, your return on that investment of time. And so they're afraid of putting all of that time without knowing whether or not they're going to get results. So you're, you're absolutely right. That's very, very common out there when people are thinking about putting courses together. So uh, let's, let's go into this a little bit deeper. So can you whereabouts would you start if you were going to speak to one of those groups let's say the 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 people who are they would love to do this they would love to create a course they they you know they're the information sellers they're they're the kind of people that go do you know what i've got some great great knowledge i would love to create some sort of content where would be can you give them some tips where would that would their starting blocks be to be able to get this off the ground and create yeah. yeah absolutely so really when people are coming to me and you know they're wanting they 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 want to be able to leverage their knowledge and you know create an additional income stream we, i always start with you know validating the idea. So what is it that they are, what is the course that they want to create and will people buy it once it's done? So there's kind of some steps I recommend even before you start putting any content together, start with validating the idea. So coming up with the course content, the the course topic, and then going out to find out if there's a need for it. So number one, are people searching for that solution online? Number two, are people willing to pay money for a solution to the problem that you're going to solve? And then number three, going to your audience and asking them, you know, what kind of challenges or fears or pain points do they have around that particular topic? I think that's really the first place to start. And doing that legwork at the outset, number one, gives you the confidence that, okay, yes, there is a real need here. But two, the data or the information you gather, the intel that you gather going through that process really helps you frame that overall structure. So before diving into the content, really reaching out and finding out what the real pain point would be that you're solving for your client is is where I recommend people start. I suppose as well, that's not only a confidence builder, but a momentum builder as well, because once they see 
through that research and through that work that there's some there's people out there that want to buy it they know that the work the knowledge that they have and how they want to put it together mm-hmm. there's there's people out there that want to do that then all of a sudden it's just like okay well I can see some I can see some tangibility to that now yeah, exactly. And and as you say, it's it's motivating, it, it's, it creates momentum, and it also really helps hone down the topic. Because again, one of the fears is there's just so much information to share, and, and that's often one of the biggest mistakes I see course creators make is they want to put in too much information into a course. But, but by doing this upfront research, it really helps hone in on the areas that they should focus on in terms of you know really getting the best return for, for their clients from a course perspective. Yeah, and you make it. You make a really good point because you see it a lot, even not just on courses, on online memberships, and all sorts of stuff. It's they can really just overstack it with content that just completely overwhelms mm-hmm. the people that are buying it, and that can scare them off. We an awful lot of people think, well, putting everything into it is a good thing, but sometimes it actually can scare people off as well, can't it? Oh, well, that, that, that was probably one of my biggest frustrations when I was taking these online courses is there was just way, way too much information. And especially if you're, you know, it, it, it's kind of it's counterintuitive. But with marketing, you know, you're often hearing like give, 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 give as much as you can. Whereas with online courses, less is actually more. So, you know, because the the clients who are buying your course, they're not looking for, you know, lots and lots of content. They're looking for a result. So if you can get them that result in the shortest period of time that, you know, saves your cl- the students from spending too much time to get there, then that's a real win for the learners. And so that's often, you know, when I'm working with my clients, they're often, I'm often having to pull them back from wanting to put too much content in there um, and, and, and really focus on keeping it streamlined. So that is such a common problem. Yeah, because I suppose is the, the, the good thing is, is if you've got loads of content, there's a couple of more courses in you. Yeah, well, exactly. Or you can add it as a bonus, right? It's, it's one of those things. Well, I usually ask my clients, is this a need to know or a nice to know? And if it's a need to know, then that can be included as part of the course. But if it's a nice to know, would this be a nice bonus that you can add to sweeten the deal when you go to market the course? Yeah, absolutely. So another question that will keep coming up, um, and I'm sure you probably get asked this all the time, being being you are the course whisperer, um, is what platform? Do you use yeah. self-hosting? Do you use a WordPress plugin? What do you personally feel is the best sort of option for people? Well, you're absolutely right, Jeff. I get this question all the time. <laughs> um, and and my answer is, is well, it, it's funny. If you talk to somebody who believes in the, the self-hosting, you know, they live and breathe and die by it. And if you talk to somebody who uses the third party, they live and breathe and die by it. They, they, are, they have very strong opinions about what makes sense. And for me, I really like to focus on the, who the client is and how they like to run their business. And based on that information, one may be a better suited for them than the other. Some people like 
to be hands-off, don't want to worry about it, are happy to hand it over, whereas other people like to get have, you know, have ownership, roll their sleeves up, learn a little bit more about it. So I, I like to actually talk to my clients a little bit more to assess whether or not one is better than the other because it totally depends on you know, what the strategy is within the business, the type of person they are, all sorts of things. So I, I know that's not a great answer, but um, I'm, I'm kind of neutral. I'm Switzerland in my response okay. to okay. that. Do you, I mean, that's a, that, I think that's a fair answer. Do you have pros, can you share some pros and cons of hosted? Because I mean, my, my site is, um, standalone i used to use I, I fought with myself for a long period of time with wordpress because that was what everyone was telling me to use um and then when i started to look at it and i realized of i'm not a coder so i yeah. realized of how much time effort and possibly money that was going to be involved in getting other people to get involved that that personally for me turned me out of it and right. I went to standalone. So I went to Thinkific first and then to Kajabi. And then I um, I luckily found a platform called Invanto, which uh, AppSumo were doing a, um, a launch with, um, which I absolutely loved because I got it at a complete steal of a deal. Um, but I, I love the fact that they do everything behind the scenes and I just literally almost like go, okay, I want this, this, and this, and it, it seems to do it. Um, but I, can, I, can, I know exactly what you mean by depending on how the business wants to do it. But how do you, what do you personally feel some of the pros and cons are of those, those different types of platforms? Yeah, the well, the third party hosting is really, you know, if you want to be able to not have to worry about the day to day management or challenges that might come up from self hosting. So it's, it's you have a bit more peace of mind and you have a bit more time back in your day. But the trade off is, is it may be more costly. And so how you weigh the pros and the cons with that. Are you willing to pay extra to have that extra uh, time and peace of mind. Uh, whereas if the, with the self-hosting, you know, the ownership is yours, you have the flexibility to tailor it and modify it, it, it in your own way, but you then are faced with the cons of, you know, it, it's, if you want ownership, then you have ownership and the good and the bad that go with it. And one of the things there's, there's some companies out there that now provide, you know, the monthly ongoing support for, you know, uh, membership sites and LMSs. So that might fill the gap in terms of having to worry about it all on your own. So so those types of services, I kind of think, can help with some of those cons as well. Hi, guys. So just before we jump over to the second part of the show, I wanted to let you know that Success IQ Alliance, my membership program, will be entering its pilot phase shortly. And I'm looking for a group of people that would like to join me during this phase at the very beginning of the whole process. If you're interested and would like to find out more information, then please email me at info at jeffnicholson.co.uk. Places are limited, but it would be lovely to see you there. Speak soon. Wishing you the greatest success and have an awesome week. Okay, so what we are going to do is we are now going to jump over to the second part of the show, where this allows me to put you on the hot seat 
um, and ask you a whole set of questions. So are you ready? Oh, Jeff, I am ready. <laughs> okay, so question number one is, how much time a week do you spend on self-development? That's spiritual, physical, and, um, and mental. Good question. And I've never actually sat down and calculated the time, but I would say uh, the bulk of my self-development is probably under goes under two buckets, exercise and podcasts. <laughs> That's my uh, how I, I, I train my body and then train my mind using podcasts because I'm a, I'm a mom of two boys that are 10 and 12, and I'm in the car a lot, which means the best mode of learning for me is uh, through the, the podcasts. Yeah, yeah. No, makes a lot of sense. Okay, question number two is, what is your favorite personal development book and why? Well, looking at my shelf back here, I would probably say one of my favorite books is uh, You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. Have you yeah. heard of that book? Yes, I have, yeah. And, I haven't read it, though. Oh uh, Well, it, I listened to it actually on audiobook, and it was a blast. Like, she is a uh, – she's, she's amazing in the way she tells her story. So she's very real. She tells it like it is. She makes that whole woo-woo world very relatable to somebody like me who tends to resist it. And and boy, she's funny. She's got some great stories. So it's a, it's a great book to listen to. Brilliant. Okay. Uh, question number three is what's your favorite app? My favorite app? Well, one of the apps that I've – related to business that I've been using a lot recently because one of my strategies has been to work at the coffee shop um, to, to be able to get out of the house. And uh, one of the apps I've been using is called Brain FM. And yeah, what it is, yeah. is, oh, you've heard it? Yeah. And so I put it, it's, you know, provides music that allows you to help focus better and working in coffee shops. It, it's amazing to really help you, you know, be in an environment with people, but still be able to focus on the work that you're doing. Yeah. And I use that strategy as well. It's amazing how you can pull yourself from a house, which is not always quiet, but it's, you think it's, you think it's like that place of, well, I'm going to get more done at home, but then you can get yourself to a coffee shop, which is traditionally noisier than home normally but yeah you can get so much more done exactly it's, but it's yeah i'm a, I'm a big fan of, of that and a brain fm is really good because it's it's um it's like concentration all sorts of different things because it's uh there's a, there's a few different apps but brain fm's really, really it's really simple to use as well it's a really good interface on the on the phone yep absolutely Cool. And you Excellent. Can, you can use you can use it for meditation as well. I've used it for meditation, and there's even a sleep. Um, I've never tried it for sleep, but uh, yeah, it helps you with those three things, which is kind of neat. Yeah. No. Fantastic. Question number four is: What's your biggest business mistake, and what did it teach you? <laughs> okay. Well, I think probably my biggest business mistake is jumping in too soon to hire a coach. And it's, it's not that I, that the error was in hiring the coach. It was more in the process that I went through to hire a coach. I didn't do enough 
due diligence in terms of researching and looking into the the coach that I was hiring. And, and because I totally believe in having a coach, I, I, I continue to have one, but my first, uh, my first coach that I hired, I spent way too much money and kind of the, as I got into it, I realized it wasn't a good fit and, you know, I didn't get as much out of that experience as I'd like to. And so it's really not doing my due diligence around hiring the right people that are a good fit for me. Yeah. And I think, and I think you bring up a really important thing is, is when you are looking for a coach, make sure you, you, it's not necessarily always the one that charges the most. Yeah. And you've got to make sure it's the personality that matches yours. And it's not, it's not always the nicest one. It's sometimes the (laughs) one that's going to kick your butt when you're not doing the work that's needed. So it's exactly it. it. Yeah. I, I, um, you know, and, and I, I, I think way back when it was, you know, all coaches were the same, you'd get a similar experience, but they are not. So doing, taking the time to do your due diligence is, is worth it in order to get the ROI. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and it's having your ass kicked by your, by, by your coach isn't pleasant but it doesn't doesn't mean you're going to get beasted or anything like that it just means that you you know when it's like damn it okay i've let, i've let someone else down yeah okay exactly. and really you haven't let him down you've let you down but he just lets you know it or she just lets you know it and that's well, the they, and that's the point isn't it really exactly they they can kind of be looking at the situation more objectively and call yeah. you on it it's like going to the headmasters in the office or the principal's office, I suppose. Did that okay. happen a lot to you, Jeff? Oh, it did. It did. I remember when I got threatened with the slipper, but that is a whole nother story. That's that's for after hours. Um, okay, so question number five is, what are your challenges in harmonizing work and life, and how do you manage them? Whew, that is the ultimate question, isn't it? Uh, well, as I mentioned, I've got two boys and they are competitive baseball players. So they are very busy with their baseball schedule. And my husband is very busy with his work and travels a lot. So between balancing home life and, you know, being an entrepreneur who works from home, it's it's kind of almost a daily challenge. But where I am at now in this evolution is I've, I've essentially divided my day up into three. My mornings are me time. So when we talk about self-development, that's when I do my, my reading, my exercise or what have you. And that is time set aside for me. And then my boys get up and um, I get them off to school. But once they're off to school, then it's my work time. So that's my second slot is, is I put on my work hat and I focus on that work. And then once my boys get home from school, that's when my parent hat comes on. So I, I'm trying to be very conscious of which hat I'm wearing at what time so that I can be focused on being present in that moment. Otherwise, it's too overwhelming to try and be thinking of doing multiple things at a time. And it allows me to really get that personal time in the morning and protect it. So I've I've kind of, I I call it wearing my different hats. And I try and be focused, whichever hat I'm wearing at the time to be focused on whatever that is that I should be um, focused on. Yeah, because it's it's not easy, and I think that's one of the reasons why I chose the word harmonizing. And the fact yeah. it was it was suggested to me by a friend of mine because 
everyone's pursuing balance and yeah. balance is impossible. Yeah. You know, it's it's when you've got work, family, health, yourself, relationships exterior to your family, it, it's impossible to get it balanced. And it's and I like the idea of the hats because then you you prioritize it and that's really what it is. That's the only way you can harmonize it. So you prioritize at that moment in time, that's where the energy has to go. And yeah. then it has to step back. And, you know, I'm lucky now because my kids are 19 and 16. So my 19-year-old generally kind of like does what he wants to do. But I need to make sure that when he's at home, I I take some time to see how his day went and everything. Although the older they get, they seem to speak less in, yeah. in, in one-syllable words. But... um. <laughs> You know, that's generally just, I think, I'm sure I was probably like that as well. Um, but, you know, but it, and I think that's the thing is, is it, it is about prioritizing. So everyone who's pursuing this work-life balance, you have to really make sure that you understand that it's, you make sure you understand what you're actually pursuing because balance is, an, is realistically an impossibility. It's just about prioritizing. Exactly. And, and, and with the entrepreneurial world that, that we live in, you could be busy 24 hours a day. So that that's one of the things I learned early on. It's like, okay, well, I'm not prepared to do 24 hours a day. So I have to figure out a way to harmonize it all, as you say, to make sure that I'm, I'm doing it all for the right reasons. Yeah, no, brilliant. Brilliant. Okay, question number six. What advice would you give an entre- entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? Well, when I first started out, I was starting out in the nutrition business. And what I thought back then when I was starting out is all I needed to do was create my website, post some videos, and people would start knocking at my door. And what I realized is that actually doesn't happen. Um, however, that seems to be often where people, when they're starting out, they get hung up. They get hung up on their website. They get hung up on, you know, their logos or their colors. And so much time is spent there where in reality, that's not what it takes to build the business. So, you know, if if you build it, they won't necessarily come. And that the, the, the real work or the real effort is around getting yourself out there, getting people to know who you are and what you do, rather than worrying behind the scenes as to whether or not, you know, your colors match or things like that. That's what I spent way too much time focusing on when I was first starting out yeah Kevin Costner's got a lot to answer for really exactly and and so so much more than just that damn film but okay (laughs) question number seven what is your definition of success well this is another age-old question isn't it I would say for me, and uh, I think everybody has uh, their own definition of success, but for me, it's, it's, you know, being happy where you are and not wanting to be anywhere else. And, and what I mean by that is, is not to be complacent and just sit back and be happy, but it's, for me, it's about being present and enjoying the moment. It's uh, it's interesting. Probably about 25 years ago, I came across a Calvin and Hobbes cartoon, and it was an image of them going down a hill on a toboggan, super fast, 
And Calvin said, we spend so much time looking for what's ahead of us that we forget to enjoy where we are. And that that's really stuck with me in terms of, especially even in the entrepreneurial world, we're always looking for what's next, what's the next thing, or I wish I was here, or I wish I was there. And, and to me, that's really the journey. So success is really just enjoying where you are, wherever you are in life and being happy and enjoying it because regardless, time will pass by. So you might as well start enjoying it now. So that's, that's my definition of success. Yeah, and the amazing thing is, is there's an awful lot of um, senior execs, chairmen and entrepreneurs that I've worked with that have experienced that same issue, if we will, with their business and they realize that they've missed out on their family. Exactly. Because they've been so busy pursuing, realistically, they've been pursuing the money because they've thought that the money is going to bring everything that they've needed. And then all of a sudden, the next thing they know, their kids are old, they've left home, you know, um, partners may have left, all sorts of things may have happened simply because their their eye was not on the, the all of the balls. They were just yeah. on the ball that was running constantly ahead of them and they were never going to catch up to it because nothing was ever enough. And I think that's, I think that's a great one is you've got to be in the moment more to, yeah. to really enjoy it. That's really cool. I like that one. Okay, question number eight. Do you have any type of morning routine to help get you prepped for the day ahead? Well, my morning routine starts with Sunday. Um, I plan my week on Sunday. So when I go to sit down to do my work in the morning, I I, I already have my day planned out for me. But the probably the single biggest improvement for me with respect to my own, you know, personal development and my routine is to exercise in the morning. So when I first get up, that's one of the first things that I do is exercise. Because <laughs> my husband and I, we used to work out together in the evening, but we'd be horrible because one inevitably one of us didn't want to work out. And so, you know, we would influence the other. And so we never really did it um, together as much as we probably should have. So we we ended up separating from our exercise routine uh, together and I started working out in the morning and it's been it's been great because I get my workout done in the morning and then I have the rest of the day to focus on, you know, the other things so that um, that helps me again, focus on my own personal time, but also make sure I get my exercise in for the day because if I left it for later, I would never get it done. Cool. Cool. (laughs) Okay, the final question is a life lesson question. So pick a number between 1 and 50, whatever number it lands on. It leaves us with our final conversational point. Uh, Number 11, Jeff. Number 11 is the art of listening. Uh, So this this really stems from the thing is I used to think I was a good listener, um, really until I started to train as a therapist. And I learned the difference between listening and hearing. Um. And many people think they're good at listening, but they're actually just hearing because they have those conversations going on while other people are talking. And it, there's, a, there's a fine art that when someone is talking to you, just to stop what is going on and really listen to that conversation. Because one, it helps being trained as a coach and a therapist, because as soon as you've learned those skill sets, everything changes. You just learn to hear conversations in a very, very different way. 
but there is there is so much to be said about stopping for a moment and just really engaging and listening to people having a conversation with you and i just wondered what you thought well it's interesting because that ties in nicely with what we were talking about at the beginning where we're talking about people being worried about whether or not people will buy their course or what have you and and that's what it really comes back to is listen to the audience listen rather than trying to come up with your own solution just go out there and just listen to what people are asking listen to what the challenges are listen to you know the frustrations people are having and that will give you so much fodder for in terms of direction of how to move forward with your course that that kind of ties it up nicely there jeff that that was very i like that segue very good very good (laughs) okay so the floor is now yours how can people find out more about the course whisper how can they find out how can they find out more about you um and whatever that whatever that um whatever amazing stuff that you have to offer Oh, thank you, Jeff. Well, I uh, people can find out more about me from my website at thecoursewhisperer.co. And uh, I have some resources for your audience, Jeff, if they're interested. If, um, if they go to thecoursewhisperer.co slash success IQ, I have a template for people who are interested in, you know, need some direction on how to put a course outline together. I also have a mini course on how to validate your course. So if people are wondering, you know, if their course will sell, this is a, it's a mini course to help walk them through the steps that I take my clients through in terms of whether or not a a course idea is, is value is validated or not. So they can go to the coursewhisper.com, sorry.co slash success IQ to get those, um, those resources if they're interested. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Cindy, it has been an absolute joy speaking to you. Thank you very much for taking the time out and joining me today. Well, thanks so much, Jeff, for your time. Hey, guys. So first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know you're listening, and I really do appreciate the support. If you'd like to know more about me, my services, and how to connect with me on social media, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. The links are in the show notes below. I would also like to invite you to join my growing community on Facebook. All you need to do is search for Kick Mediocrity or Jeff Nicholson UK, and you will find the information that is required to join this growing community of like-minded people. You can tune in and listen to us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and TuneIn, and of course, iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show and have time, please leave a rating and review, and it really does help me grow the show and make the impact I am aspiring to with the show. I wish you the greatest success, and remember, don't settle for mediocrity. Go out there and create and live the exceptional. Have a lovely week, and take care.